let's see there we go uh yes thank you for joining us um this is a most important topic for this evening um if you've noticed here we have our uh, little card up from the uh from facebook um on wednesday i promised that uh we would give you 24 hours notice as to what the topic would be for this evening and we had no idea <laughs> that we would be covering this topic it's just that this comes up a lot an awful lot and it just so happens that thursday morning uh we received a communication from someone on facebook and uh it was very clear that this individual has let's say fallen into some traps and has been taken advantage of by some trickery and in no uncertain terms has fallen victim to some treachery and all day thursday we were communicating back and forth with this individual trying to um, help them trying to illuminate them um, and enlighten them as to some of these traps and tricks and treachery which they may be um, may have succumbed to um, in the course of arriving to where they are on their path and it's fine there's no judgment here there's no judgment involved um, all of us arrive at where we are from various different places and many of us come to the spiritual path through organized religion. Some of us find uh, the path of uh, Gnosis through uh, New Age or other sort of occult schools. Some of us are introduced to it by family or, uh, or uh, friends. And so we often are susceptible at the beginning because we are perhaps impressionable this is all very new to us and those who seem more experienced and well-versed and knowledgeable in these topics we will listen to them and we will take at face value what they tell us and um and being impressionable in that way we are vulnerable but the path is like that no matter where we are no matter what level we are at today in order to reach the next level, we have to break through a barrier of sorts. And that barrier very often is a barrier that's made up of our own attachments, our own identifications to what we currently believe and currently think about ourselves in our current state. Um, this is also a very prominent and um, almost universal issue when it comes to individuals on a uh, spiritual path and that's the issue of mystic pride and we've talked about mystic pride often in the past and we'll discuss it again this evening in a very specific in very specific ways um, the path is beset upon all sides by traps and pitfalls and deadfalls trip wires and in no uncertain terms 
negative entities that are just laying in wait in ambush for us. And it could be said that many of these tests and ordeals have been set up for us as a test to see if we have the metal to continue and have the metal to uh, succeed on the path. However, we cannot be naive and assume that um, all of these are arranged for us for that purpose because black magic is real, the Black Lodge is real, uh, black magicians are real, dark entities exist, and anyone who's on the path, they're on the path because they have that inner glow, they have that energy, and they radiate that energy outward. And like moths to a flame, like mosquitoes to light, or so many other parasites who are attracted by heat, um, negative entities are drawn to those on the path precisely because we're working with energy in the, in the right way and because we have an abundance of energy and that energy radiates out from us that they want to come and steal that energy. They want to feed like vampires, like incubi and succubi. And we cannot afford to be naive and we must recognize that that is the case on the path. If we are working on ourselves and we are working with uh, the sexual force, we're working with the solar forces, we're looking on, working on retaining that energy and, and circulating that energy with pranayama and other exercises, and we are using that energy in meditation, in other practices to work on ourselves to eliminate our egos our internal adversaries the traps tricks and treachery that lay within us that are our own that have nothing to do with any sort of external entity the black lodge is within that's the hard truth of it and many often we uh, often we also uh, run into individuals who they find themselves perhaps facing a depression for the first time in their life, a, a draining of energy, and they automatically assume that they're being attacked by a black magician, that some negative entity is draining them. And they immediately leap to that place where, well, it, mustn't, it can't be me, it must be some other entity that's, that's feeding off of me. And so they, they immediately um, fall into that narrative. And that is also a trick, that is also a trap. And that is a form of treachery that is being played on that initiate by their own egos. Because remember, one thing the egos always want to do is blame something else to distract us, to have our attention focused elsewhere, to take the attention off of ourselves. Um, more often than not, all of our anxieties and our depressions and any sorts of uh, energy draining that's going on is within us. It's our own egos. It's our own defects and vices that are having their way with us. And we need to be able to see that and know that. We need to be able to observe ourselves and recognize that and go into meditation and submerge ourselves into our subconsciousness, into our subconscious mind. If you are particularly brave, 
and you are able to awaken on the astral plane, you can request to see the egos directly. You can descend into the lunar astral plane, awake, conscious, and you can confront your egos one-on-one. -on -one. Just remember that when you do so, you're going to want to be armed. You're going to want to pray to your Divine Mother and ask her to furnish you with the weapons, as Athena furnishes uh, Perseus with the weapons before he descends into the labyrinth to, to find and face Medusa. You don't want to go into the lunar astral plane unarmed. You certainly don't want to go into the lunar astral plane and confront your egos, your demons, without protection. And that's another topic that we are going to be covering today. Just how do you defend yourself? How do you protect yourself against some of these traps and tricks and treachery that we're speaking about here? It so happens that there are a number of different techniques. There are techniques of a, how shall we say, uh, an almost physical nature. There are uh, techniques of an aural nature, of a mantric nature. There's techniques of prayer, which can be spoken aloud or mentally. And there are other techniques which you can use to defend yourself. Now, we will not be covering all of these techniques in depth. Um, there are a number of resources uh, available to us online, mostly courtesy of glorian.org. And we will be sharing those links and showing some of those websites and um, videos. Um, in fact, in preparing for this talk this evening, we created a new playlist at um, Atlas Information called uh, Gnosis uh, Spiritual Protection. And there's five videos in there to begin. We will add more to that uh, playlist as we come across more videos. And uh, we, will, we will play some of those videos uh, in the course of tonight's discussion. And that uh, playlist will be available to you from here on in at any time. And they're short little videos uh, created by Glorianne on some of the topics that we're going to be discussing. Um, we're going to save some of that protection discussion for a little bit later because you need to know what it is you're protecting yourself from. And But even before we get into that, the whole black magicians and dark entities and, and, uh, and protecting your space and sealing your space and all of this sort of thing, we need to cover some of the more... Um, what's the right word? Mundane, everyday traps and tricks and treachery. This is the stuff that is so subtle that it is very, very hard for uh, many of us you know, on, in, the, in the course of our progress to, to realize. And in fact, it's very easy to fall into these traps. The first and perhaps most prolific trap is the one of ego, the one of mystic pride. Um, it's the trap whereby an initiate, a seeker, 
believes that they they are progressing i am progressing i receive initiations i am awake i have my solar bodies i will ascend i will awaken i will self-realize i will walk in the supernal worlds well the fact of the matter is is that you and i this body this physicality this personality that's speaking to you i am just a, a vessel i am just a messenger i'm taking dictation and i'm sharing with you that which i'm being told to share but i cannot ascend i cannot ascend into the supernal worlds any more then Super Mario can leave the Nintendo cartridge. This is, this is very, very, very important to grasp. And the earlier that we grasp this, the less likely it will be that we will fall into many of the other uh, traps and forms of treachery awaiting for us well why well you know what why is that how, how why is that so in our article that we wrote um on uh, to uh to herd or not to herd we we go in depth into the relationship between um the relationship between the master and his servant and in that article we made it clear that in the process of our own development one of the most powerful realizations that we came to was the realization that I I am not qualified I'm not I'm not qualified I am not the one walking the path I am not the one playing this game I am a character in this MMORPG called life call it the matrix if you will but I am a character in that matrix in that game so who or what is controlling me who or what should be in control of me be in command of me whose commands should i be following logically a character in a video game should follow the commands of the player the one who's playing the game But if we are not doing that, if we believe that I receive initiations and I'm going to ascend into the, uh, into the uh, afterlife and into the supernal worlds and I'm developing powers and I'm developing telepathy and, and uh, I can speak with my cat and I can do all of these things and isn't that great? Aren't I, aren't I spiritual? Aren't I powerful? Aren't I amazing? 
all of that is ego. And once ego has you at that fundamental level, then it's really easy for them to, for, for the Black Lodge to get you in different ways and to trick you. Because if you are not walking the path as your innermost being, then you are, you are walking that path from the point of view of something which is entirely um, unqualified to walk that path because you cannot ascend. I cannot receive initiations. I cannot exist in the supernal worlds. This body, this mind, this personality, this is just part of this character. And I've been many, many characters. In, in Over the course of many lifetimes, we've been many characters. There's nothing particularly special about this character. Why this character, of all the characters that we've been, this one is so special that this one's going to live forever in the supernal worlds where none of the previous characters have. This is the first trap that people on the path fall into, mystic pride, and not recognizing that their place not knowing their place in the scheme of things, their, their role, their place as that of servant and a loyal servant, one who serves their innermost being, their innermost master. And the nobility of that, the beauty of that, the power of that, and also the peace that comes from recognizing I'm not qualified. The burden is lifted from my shoulders and I put my faith and trust in God, so to speak. I put my faith and trust in my innermost guru, my highest, my higher self, my highest self, my innermost being and my divine mother. I put my faith and trust in them because they are the ones playing the game. Our innermost being is the one here walking the path, and our Divine Mother is orchestrating that path. All the tests, the trials, the ordeals, but also all the serendipities, all the boons, all the miracles. So when we know our place, we hand the reins over to that aspect of ourselves, the higher aspect of ourselves, the true self who is qualified to be walking this path who is qualified to face the dangers that we're going to be discussing here who is wise enough not to be duped not to be taken in by those tricks and by the treachery of the ego we we don't have that wisdom. We're very easily tricked and we're very easily duped and we very easily fall into, tre into treacherous situations and circumstances. So what are some of these in kind of a specific way? Well, spiritual experience is something that many people covet on the path. Many people desire 
experiences. And the desire for experiences lead many people astray, leads them to partake in activities and, uh, for example, substances and whatnot that give them experiences. And as a result of those experiences, they come away from those experiences with beliefs about themselves. I am awake. I am enlightened. I met the gods. I met so-and-so. Such and such a, you know, guru did this and this for me. Similarly, they will turn to gurus for help. And sometimes they will pay money to these gurus because these gurus, surprise, surprise, accept money for their teachings and their help and their, you know, their, their various different metaphysical uh, 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 magic that they impart onto unsuspecting initiates. And they are able to induce states of mind they're able to induce what feels like energetic or physiological changes or energetic changes in the body. They're able to manipulate and control and, and, and in some cases create fantastic voyages, fantastic experiences in the astral plane. But they're, they're, they're third parties and very often they ask money. But the initiate who desires experiences and wants to believe that they are spiritual and wants to believe that they are advancing on the path, they very easily fall victim into such schemes. They take ayahuasca once or they take mushrooms once or DMT or whatever, whatever substance they take and they have a spectacular experience. And maybe that experience reveals to them the 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 existence of the uh internal worlds and the uh and for the first time they they their their eyes are open and their whole their whole uh, uh spectrum of consciousness and awareness is taken to another level but then after a while sooner or later despite all their meditation despite all their efforts right they don't have another whiz bang amusement park ride in the astral plane. They don't have another incredible, life-changing, life-altering, uh, mind-blowing experience. So what do they do? Almost invariably, they return to the substance. They take it again. Why? Because they desire the experience. And they go on another trip. And then they fall into that pattern because the, they, the desire for the experience doesn't go away. It becomes more intense with every trip they take. And of course, with every experience they have like this, the mind is there, the ego mind is there to weave around that experience a whole series of beliefs, a whole set of beliefs and ideas and concepts and theories about where I am on the path and I must be this level and I must be that level because 
when I took ayahuasca or when I took DMT or when I took the, the mushrooms, I had this experience and that experience and I could feel my kundalini being awakened and I could feel my chakras opening and this and that and the other thing and all this wonderful stuff. So they come out of the experience and say, well, I must be this and this level. I must have received this initiation and that initiation. When all of their experiences were in the lunar astral plane, which is basically hell. Who or what was creating these subjective experiences for them? Well, the Black Lodge, their own egos in part, the very egos behind the desire for experience. Isn't it funny how that works? You have a desire for an experience. An ego is the mother of desire. Lust is the mother of all egos. And egos are our cravings and aversions. And that desire for experiences is mystic pride. So it's not surprising that the experience feeds mystic pride because it's the mystic pride that desires the experience in the first place. And it's not surprising that the experience is arranged in such a way as to create the perfect fodder for mystic pride to feed on and for mystic pride to weave its elaborate story around, which is as hypnotizing, if not more hypnotizing, than the experience was itself. We have often said genuine uh, spiritual experience, the most common spiritual experience, is sort of mundane. The experience, the mystical experience that we should be seeking moment by moment, day in and day out in our lives, is that mundane experience of connection to our higher self. Where are the serendipities showing up? Where are the breadcrumbs being left for us on our path by our Divine Mother? Where, when and how do we receive that into intuition, that still soft voice, the guidance of our innermost, moment, moment to moment. That's mystical experience. That's connection with our higher self. When do we receive, in the precise moment that we need it, some message, whether it's, whether it's from inside of us or from outside of us? Could be a complete stranger. Could be, we could be walking, uh, walking through the park and overhear a conversation. And in that two seconds of conversation that we overhear, we overhear the exact thing that we needed to hear at that precise moment. And it's, we're like, wow, that's, that's, a, that's, un that's amazing. That's, that stranger talking on the park bench to their friend just said exactly what I needed to hear. That's, that's incredible. Who could have possibly have planned that? Who could possibly have orchestrated that? But our own Divine Mother. And being conscious of that, being aware of that, paying attention, moment by moment, day in and day out, this is the mystical experience that matters. The one that reminds us who we are 
and re that, that reminds us of our place. Yes, you can have authentic spiritual experiences which are of the whiz-bang variety, the mind-blowing, consciousness-expanding, life-changing, earth-shattering uh, experience. And yes, you can have those legitimate mystical experiences, spiritual experiences. It's possible. We have had them many times in our life. Many different times, many different ways. We, we share a few of them on the blog. One of them specifically, uh, one of them specifically, uh, we share the, um, what, it's our article, Touched by the Christ, which is by far, we can say, the most intense spiritual experience that we've ever had. Um, and we wrote, uh, we made an attempt to write a testimony of what that experience was like, but all we really did in that poem, which we wrote here, um, all we really did was write down as best as we could recollect the words that were flowing out of us while we were going through this um, life-changing experience of being um, being momentarily one with the logos and it was um, it really was you know, it was what it was, what you can read about, what you could read about it there, although it, we can't do it justice. But the point is, we didn't come away from that experience saying, I must be this and I must be that. On the contrary, that experience revealed to us just how insignificant we are, just how unable we are to contain and handle in this mortal vessel all that the logos is we, we would we were we were being blown apart by the force and the light and the fire so when individuals have experiences on substances and and and, and whatnot or they have experiences through so-called gurus that say oh don't worry i'm going to inject you with energy and they can do this from afar apparently even over from the internet you can find these gurus online they can say, oh, don't worry, I'm going to send you my kundalini energy and I'm going to awaken your kundalini for you while you sleep or, you know, whatever. And then they, they have this, the, the individual has this incredible, some sort of uh, uh, visceral experience. And they come away from it, believing that, they've, that this, this guru from wherever has just done X, Y, Z for them. Because that's what they want to believe. And now they think, well, I'm now I'm at this level, or I'm at that level, or now I can do this, or now I can do that, or now I can see this, or now I can see that. Which brings us to another trap. And this is related to the desire for spiritual experience. It's very closely related. And that is the desire for powers. Now, um, 
in your in your journey you may have unlocked some powers some abilities um if you're familiar with the bhagavad gita and you're familiar with uh rama and hanuman the god rama and the monkey god hanuman in their quest to free krishna krishna represents the christ ha um uh, rama is the innermost being and hanuman the monkey god is the is the physical is the mortal vessel but he is the one who gets the powers he's the one that performs the feats so we can awaken powers if that's if those are required by our innermost to do their work and those powers can be sometimes overwhelming if one isn't prepared but more importantly if one doesn't know one's place if one believes that their their the powers are are mine i have these powers to do with what i want to do with as i please then again there's this there's this 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 disconnect because i am not qualified those powers are given to me in trust to use for the sake of the end of suffering of humankind the powers that are given to me and trust are there given to me by rama by my innermost being by my divine mother for the sake of what for the sake of bringing krishna into the world bringing the christ into the world through this mortal vessel so those powers serve a purpose but if i think those powers are there for my amusement or i think those powers are there to amaze others and wow you know and or impress others then um i'm on the wrong i'm on the wrong path humility radical humility is the way and the biggest trap that we face on the path is our own pride our own mystic pride this idea that we are special this idea that we advance and we receive initiations and we and we can't repeat this enough we can't state it enough because we run into this all the time the new age is rife with this sort of thinking and of course the black lodge is built on this premise on empowering the eye and the new age is is openly and actively uh spreads the propaganda of black magic of manifesting your desires and of abundance and uh, you know and and uh getting what you want and and practicing black magic to get what you want it's all desire desire and attachment to material things what what could that possibly matter to your innermost being or impressing others for that matter i mean that's what could that possibly matter to your innermost being 
there are endless, endless websites, books, individuals, gurus, prophets, whatever they call themselves these days, who will tell you exactly what you want to hear. Who will feed that mystic pride and who will tell you oh no no you are this and you are that and you're you know you're this level and that level and will orchestrate via through substances or some combination of black magic or some combination of some other form of trickery and treachery some form of experience for you and if you can coming out of that experience they will be there don't worry they will be there to give you the explanation that's going to sound really impressive and really, it's going to sound really good to you. You're going to say, yeah, 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 I like, yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that. I received the fifth initiation of fire, uh, uh, in that trip on acid. Yeah. I yeah. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. I did experience that. Yeah. The problem is no one, no one can, no one can do that from afar. The initiations take place in the supernal worlds in the temples of the Great White Lodge, and your innermost being has to go through tests and trials. And they are reflected here on the physical plane, as above, so below. So very often when you're facing various trials in your life, tests and ordeals, it's because your innermost is going through an, an initiation in the supernal worlds. So for example, we'll give you an example from our own experience. Uh, when our, um, our Kung Fu dojo, for lack of a better word, our Kung Fu dojo was flooded. And uh, it was flooded in the most, how does one say this? Uh, odious and unpleasant of ways the uh toilets backed up it was a freak storm and all of the uh, in uh, toronto and uh, uh toronto has a, is a very old city and has very old infrastructure and this freak storm overwhelmed the uh the sewer system and of course the so that means when the sewer system is overwhelmed it, it starts it starts going in the opposite direction the water and the water just started coming out of the toilet like erupting and that uh incident we in that moment we completely surrendered and abandoned ourselves to the guidance of pure intuition and we, it was like we were on some sort of automatic pilot it was we weren't making decisions we were following instructions and very rapidly without thinking you're just going and doing this and doing this and doing that and directing other people in the uh, kung fu studio get all the furniture up get all the get all the valuables up off the floor get them you know and and uh and we we immediately did our best to stop the flow or hold back the flow and then we knew that we needed something more than that and we we jumped in the car and we ran uh, back to the office and we uh we got a shop back we came back we started using the shop back to 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 pump the water out and um 
And we managed to save literally tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment and valuables uh, at the, the Kung Fu studio. The owners of the Kung Fu studio weren't there at the time. Uh, Sifu, uh, Sifu Carey and his wife were away. So we were, they had, they had given us the uh, Kung Fu studio to use to, to give lessons to each other and to come in and practice. So they weren't, they weren't around. So somebody had to take charge of the moment and it fell upon our shoulders to do that. And as I said, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified in that situation. I'm neither a plumber nor any sorts of, you know, nor, nor, nor a fireman or any, anything of the kind. I've never, never gone through anything like that, a flood, and certainly not that kind of a plumbing disaster. Um, so I was not qualified to do what I did. But the fact that it was so heavily related to water, it was a water, it was a test of water. And if you know about the initiations in the supernal worlds, um, they, they go um, around uh, the elements. So they can be tests of fire, tests of air, tests of earth, tests of water, tests of ether. And so in the moment, we certainly weren't thinking about, well, my innermost being must be experiencing a uh, such and such initiation of water never crossed our mind but after the fact after the fact well after the fact when we were sitting down for lunch with sifu carry the owner of the studio who was who you know who who wanted to thank us because the other students had relayed the story to him and he was made aware of of the success that we had had in preserving and protecting the the studio because um, the insurance was was not going to cover all, all the costs of all the other things that would have been damaged and, and destroyed uh, by the waters. It was in the course of that conversation with him that it became clear that that this was there was something else going on, um, and that was our first conscious experience of an initiation of water here in the physical plane as our innermost atlas was going through that in the supernal planes. So initiation is like this. The innermost receives initiations. We can experience them on our level in some way, in some capacity. The shadowy physical reflections of that test that is happening in the metaphysical plane. We can, we can experience that. But I don't get to go into the supernal planes and have initiations. And if you think that you do, and if, if you think that you have, you have been duped. And if you believe that you have, you are just kidding yourself. It's trickery and it's treachery. And rest assured that if you are being held back on your progression, once again, you return to this. Radical humility is the, is the way. Knowing one's place is the way. 
for to to have progress letting go and letting god surrendering being a servant a noble servant to your innermost being this is the way if you prefer a more simple analogy what good is a glove without the hand that wears it right what good is a sword without the hand that wields it we are just like that we're just like a glove or like a sword we are a tool and if we are not being wielded in the hands of our innermost being then who or what is wielding us well the answer is it's our egos it's our eyes and they hypnotize us they trick us they leave these traps for us and the nature of these traps yes Roy is another good analogy Roy says it's like a car like what what good is a car you know except for the one who's driving so Ryu has a question here so when you go to study at the foot of the master are you not entering the supernal planes through Jacob's ladder while you sleep your physical body remains in bed when you enter into the astral plane if you are asleep if you're just in the dream state then you're in the lunar astral plane you're being shown something but none of what you experience in the lunar astral plane none of what you experience in dreams can or should be taken at face value that's not to say that you can't be shown true things and it, it that's not to say that you can't be shown genuine things and experience genuine things but remember the lunar astral plane is hell it's limbo it is the domain of the ego it's the it's the domain of your egos and your your everything that you experience there is being filtered through your egos So we must be very, very careful, even if we awaken in the astral plane, even if we project into the astral plane. We must remember that we are, if we are not yet awake, if we are not yet enlightened, if we are not yet fully conscious and able to maintain that wakeful state, we can very easily fall from the solar astral to the lunar astral like this such that the experience that we were having in the solar astral plane all of a sudden we're now in the lunar astral plane and we might have beliefs and ideas and theories and opinions developing about what we just experienced there but we might but we'll we believe we're still in the astral plane but we're no longer in the astral plane in the solar astral plane we're in the lunar astral plane we've fallen we've fallen back asleep because sleep is not an on off switch it's a gradient there are levels of wakefulness 
that we can experience. And when we travel in the astral plane, it's our consciousness which is traveling there. It's our, it's our uh, yes, our mind and our emotions go, our vehicle, our metaphysical vehicle travels in the astral plane, our mind and our emotions and our consciousness. But if our consciousness is bottled up inside the ego, then we're in the lunar astral plane. And if we're projecting and we're awake, then we're in the solar astral plane, but for who knows for how long, because this all requires energy. And if we're working with energy in the right way, we may have the ability to uh, sustain ourselves in the solar astral plane, or we may not. And then the silver cord pulls us back into our physical body and we wake up because we ran out of energy. This, this topic, again, um, this is this we didn't necessarily plan on getting into the whole dream yoga and uh, astral plane and astral projection topic other than it 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 does matter because we we talked about the the traps that we can fall into in terms of experiences and misappropriating those experiences and believing that those experiences are my experiences i'm i'm doing this and i'm doing that right there is no i in your innermost being, in your consciousness. Um, there are a number of questions here that people are asking. They're, they're being fired off faster than we can reply to them. So uh, we apologize if we've missed your question. Um, we'd best uh, try to answer some of these uh, while they're still on screen. Because um, if they go, if we leave it too long, then they'll 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 disappear, and we won't be able to go back. Um, D. Marie says, sometimes I have dreams that I'm looking at some kind of alien screen, like a futuristic era. Well, it's possible that you have traveled, and you are looking at there's. There is no future. There is no past. There is only the now, the eternal now. So it's possible that you have traveled. It's also possible that you've received some sort of um, premonition. It could also be that you like science fiction and <laughs> you're just you're 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 experiencing something that fascinates you and that you find very interesting. Your mind. Uh, is is attracted to, and while you're sleeping, your mind wants to experience that. So that's what you experience. Anyway, we don't see a question in there. It's more of a comment. We thought we, it was a question, so we'll just go on to the next one. Ryu again says, when you go to Shamadi in dream state, you enter into gamma wave consciousness. If you can make the conscious jump between gamma and alpha, you can consciously remember being in the supernal realms during sleep. Okay. We'll take your word for that. And the screen is in the sky. Okay. Uh, Delta. Okay. So he says Delta. Demary says, maybe I do like Blade, Blade Runner. Um, Ryu, we don't get into us, ourselves personally. We can't tell you Gamma, Delta, Alpha, Zeta, Beta. 
these frequencies, those frequencies. Um, we don't function on that level of, uh, of experience. So we can't, and frankly, we're glad you brought this up, actually. We're very glad you brought this up because this is another trap. Now, we're not saying that this is a particular trap for you, but just go online, go onto YouTube and witness all of the different uh, meditation videos on there where it's some kind of music and then some sort of frequency, vibration. And uh, they're saying, oh, delta waves, gamma waves, these waves, those waves, this hurts, that megahertz. And then this is perfect for this and that's perfect for that. And this, is, this, this frequency is perfect for cleansing chakras. And that frequency is perfect as if as if the process of awakening and working with the solar bodies and in the internal planes was mechanical. It's not. It's not a mechanical process. It's a conscious process. It's a magical process. Yes, there's cause and effect but it's not mechanical. Karma, the great law of karma, the great law of cause and effect, is managed intelligently with love, with unconditional love, unconditional severity and mercy in balanced measure, applied unconditionally. That is how the great law works in our life that is how our divine mother nurtures us and treats us and raises us yes the two pillars d marie but the two pillars are not physical pillars and the metaphysical pillars are not mechanical things the, the physical pillars of jacqueline and boaz yes severity and mercy feminine and masculine but each one contains the other as in the Tao so as it plays out in our experience in our existence it's not mechanical now are we saying that you can't benefit from bathing yourself in this frequency or that frequency we're not saying that at all maybe there is a benefit but we can guarantee you that if you rely on some sort of device to get you into a certain meditative state, you are robbing yourself. You are tricking yourself. You are falling for treachery. Ryu asked a minute, a few minutes ago, what happens when he projects into the supernal worlds and studies at the feet of the master and so on and so forth. Eventually, eventually, in our path, if we do make tremendous progress and we do, we do, uh, we will have experiences where we will be awake and conscious and we will experience the initiations. 
from the point of view of our innermost being, from the point of view of the monad. We will be awake in our causal body. We will have developed the human soul and we will be there present in the sixth dimension. In the sixth dimension, the causal plane with our solar causal body. But how will we be able to get there? How will we be able to get there and experience that union, that yuga, that yoga, that religare, true religion, the true religion of true faith, of oneness, of, of to bind together when the consciousness and the innermost and the human soul are one, the, the, the middle trinity on the tree of life. But how will we be able to do that? How do you project into the sixth dimension? If not from the fifth dimension. But how are you going to project from the fifth dimension into the sixth dimension? If the only way you could ever you, you could ever get to the fifth dimension is by listening to CDs or listening to, to music or or bathing yourself in in in, uh, in beta, gamma, delta, alpha waves by whatever mechanism. That mechanism won't exist for you. Doesn't exist in the astral plane. Just as those substances, psychedelics, they don't exist in the astral plane. You can't take psychedelics in the astral plane. There's no substance in the astral plane. What substance are you going to take that's going to get you from the fifth dimension to the sixth dimension? So by falling for those tricks and traps here and now, you are robbing yourself of the ability to develop the capacity, the skills, the techniques, and the experiential knowledge the self-evident experiential knowledge, that which we seek on the path, that which seeks us as well. And that is treachery. That's a kind of treachery of the ego that it pulls on us because the ego in its desire for experiences in its desire for spiritual advancement, it's in its belief that it's going to be the one that ascends. What else do we know about the ego? The ego is lazy. Sloth is one of the seven deadly sins. The ego does not like hard work. Unless, unless it can do it obsessive compulsively. Because that's a whole that's a that's a different type of that's a different type of treachery where someone can meditate obsessively or do practices obsessively and obsessive compulsively. And it's their mystic pride that's driving them. They believe themselves to be such great initiates and great Gnostics and so on. You know why? Well, because I meditate 12 hours a day. Yeah, okay. But so that again is another form of treachery. That's another trick that we can, that's another pitfall that we can fall into. 
doing things on a rote mechanical way because we think we have to, because we've been told that we have to. So if you read the books of Master Samael, if you read any of his books on mantra, he will say, well, do this mantra an hour a day. Um, Andrew asks a question. Is not music of divine origin? Depends on the music. Um, if you want to listen to Mozart or Beethoven or Wagner, that's very good. It's very beneficial, right? And many there are many, uh, many songs, many uh, songs which they uplift you, and if they help take you in deep within yourself and feel love and connect with your higher self, then no one's saying you shouldn't listen to music. But should you rely on music as your only means to go into deep meditation and achieve shamadi and or project into the astral plane? This is the question. Should you rely on, on, on listening audibly to something should, should you rely solely on mantra should you rely solely on chanting should you rely solely on what have you like those individuals who seem to rely solely on psychedelics for their mystical experience and then and then they feed their mystic pride and their beliefs and ideas and concepts about themselves they use that mystical experience to feed their mystic pride and again, we explained how that works, how those, those how those things are connected. There's a lot of music that's harmful, violent, vile music that's that's damaging to the subtle bodies. That that music that um, we don't necessarily want to single anything out because we don't want to seem judgmental to people's tastes, but in our own case there are certain types of music that we cannot listen to or if we do listen to if we do hear it sort of in the background somewhere we have to protect ourselves against the harsh attack the 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 assault the sensory assault of those negative um, vibrations those lower vibrations and the violent hateful hurtful uh, uh lyrics and uh, and seemingly dark intentions of the, the of maybe not the individuals, the artists themselves, but what is working through those artists. Which brings us to another trap and another form of trickery. Um, and again, this comes back to this uh this this notion of mystic pride and the mo notion of misappropriation and being asleep if you've watched our any of our if you've watched our video on um on star wars the skywalker apocalypse or if you've read our articles on gladiator one of the things that we discuss in our article on gladiator is how it is that artists today can receive divine inspiration and execute 
their artwork with the divine inspiration flowing through them into their artwork and not be aware of it. In fact, they believe that this beauty, this, this miracle of art came from them, from their own ingenuity, from their own talent, from their own ability. And of course, why do they believe that? Because the ego makes them believe that. The ego takes that beautiful light that's flowing from deep within the Adam noose in their heart, from their innermost being, and beyond from the logos, through their innermost being, and through them into the world. And then what do they do? They stand up and they take a bow and they say, where are my accolades? Where, where are my, where are my awards? Where are my, where are my, where's my uh, um, praise for this beautiful thing that I've created, that I created? And it's a huge trap. And just as that is the case for many, many, many artists who are asleep, there are also many, many more artists who, whose work is being created and they think it's being created by them. It's flowing through them, but it's flowing through them, not from the supernal worlds, not from the logos, not from their innermost being, but from their egos, from the Black Lodge. And they're just being manipulated and I mean, this modern art, this art for art's sake is practically that. I mean, everything like, I'm sorry, but a Jackson Pollock or, or any of these people, like they, they, there are artists who will, will, uh, take drugs or, or drink or, or something like that to, to, to amplify their rage, their anger. And in a fit of rage and a fit of anger, they will, they will slap paint on a canvas or they will bang out some music. Uh, on the keyboard or on the drums or something, and they will call it art. And really all it is is ego masturbation. They're just expressing their, their anger, their fear, their envy, their lust, their greed, their pride. And they're expressing that in their art, through their art, their so-called art. And there is an awful lot of music and visual art and movies and video games that represent that. And that's all it is. And if you called them on it, they would tell you, no, no, but these are my feelings. These are my emotions. This is who I am. This I'm getting this part of myself. I'm exercising my demons or even if they want to go that far and to use that kind of a, a, a um, terminology. But when they receive their awards, their Grammys or whatnot for their work, oh, they're more than happy to accept the Grammy. They don't get up in front of the world and say, yeah, I'm accepting this Grammy, but, uh, but you know, actually it was my demons who wrote the song. I was just a, uh, I, you know, I was just a, 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 a tool for them. I'm just a messenger. I'm just a vessel for my demons. Nobody's, nobody says that. Nobody does that. But think of all of those rock stars and pop stars 
who 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 died young and died violent or horrific or or uh incredibly uh dark uh deaths because they were living an incredibly dark life and that gets ref that was reflected in many ways in their works um and then of course we have cases of for example mozart who was also haunted by his demons very much so And there are some people who, you know, there are uh, many individuals who, despite being haunted by their demons, they still have a very strong connection to their innermost. And they, they do feel a, a divine inspiration coming through their work. And that gets reflected very often in, in how they speak and how they carry themselves. But more than anything, it's reflected in the work itself. You hear the, those songs, you hear that music, and you're touched by God, you're touched by the Logos. You, you feel something, and what you feel is not your anger and your fear and your lust being stimulated. Right? You, you, something is being stimulated, all right? Something is responding inside of you, but, but the songs that bring a tear to your eye, I mean, you know the difference. We don't have to, you know, you know the difference between a movie... Or a, or a book or a poem or a song or a painting that has the power to bring a tear, to bring tears to your eye that moves you in such a way versus, you know, a million and a half top 40 pop songs that come and go and they might be catchy, they might be a lot of things, but, but moving they are not. So again, it's a trap. It's a trap. And staying aware, staying awake, staying conscious and observant of yourself and remembering yourself. These are this is this is the fundamental way to avoid falling into these tricks and traps of the Black Lodge that are everywhere on the path. There are so many opportunities to fall into this trap. And you are literally falling when you do that because you have no future in the supernal worlds. This body, this personality, this, this, this is going to be taken back by mechanical nature. Um, we're going to do a quick uh, adjustment here because we think that... Uh, All right. Is that better? I think that looks better. Okay. Um, so, does anybody have any questions at this time so far with what we've talked about, what we've covered? Because um, we'll move on to the next sort of topic the next the next aspect of the uh, the treachery and the tricks and the traps that can uh, that can that we might need to um, protect ourselves against so far everything that we've talked about requires no particular magic spell no mantra no no you know it's just awareness 
and recognition and knowing our place in the scheme of things. Because most of the traps that we've discussed so far are, even if there are third parties involved, they're trying to take advantage of our own egos. They're trying to use our egos uh, 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 against us. Um, Ryu asks, is there music at the bottom of the logos that's not from the egos? I think we I think we explained that there is. Here's an example, Beethoven, right? Beethoven. Beethoven is the master of music for this planet. His ninth symphony, his ninth symphony, especially particularly the fourth movement, but the whole of the ninth symphony is the music of heaven. It's the music of God. It's 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 objectively one of the greatest pieces of music ever written, if not the greatest piece of music ever written. So it's, it is the Logos expressing itself through music. And, and his suffering as an artist, his path was to bring that music into the world and give that music to the world uh, through a vessel, through a vehicle, a servant who was going deaf. Benjamin asks, does Jesus being tempted in the wilderness, a good example or formula for us to overcome these traps? Aha. Thank you for asking this question. Because uh, you know, you ask uh, uh, a very poignant question that's relevant but also one that is so, we should take our own advice in this case, and thank you for reminding us. It's very mundane, isn't it? Temptation. We're tempted every day, all the time we're being tempted by our desires, by our cravings and our aversions. And so the story of Jesus in the wilderness is a perfect example of one of these extreme temptations. And we can relay a story from our own experience our our experience in the desert our version of that story of that archetype playing out in our own life and we can quickly relay it to you when we went to teach english in japan um we were 25 26 years old something like that and um and while we were there um one of our students owned a so-called cram school. Now a cram school is a private school that, that Japanese students go to after school because their regular school is so tough that they very often have to go to a private school to get tutoring and so on. And uh, this individual, um, Akiko, uh, she owned this uh, school and um, she was my student. She wanted to brush up on her English. Now, in the course of events, she invited me to a concert that was being performed by her daughter, who was a harpist. 
and uh, she was adamant that she wanted to introduce me to her daughter, and she did. And just as she had hoped, her daughter and myself hit it off, and we began seeing each other. We began dating. Now, we won't. We will skip over a bunch of stuff and just get to the point. Um, Ten months into our one-year contract, we had already received a promotion to go to head office to be a teacher trainer and, and so on and so forth. Um, but over the course of our time in Japan, uh, going to Japan was like going home for us. And it was a, we had many, many experiences while we were in Japan and we'll skip over all of those and just get to the point and say, we knew that we had to um, leave Japan, that we couldn't continue on in Japan. And in fact, our brother was getting married in May. And so we, uh, we would cancel our contract and leave two months early. Now, this is where the, uh, the story gets kind of interesting. In Japan, because Akiko set me up with her daughter, it was not her daughter that I needed to break up with, although she was fine with it. I had to break up with her mother. I had to break up with Akiko because she's the one who set us up. And that conversation went as follows. I told her I'm going back for my brother's wedding and I'm not coming back to Japan. And I've already discussed it with your daughter and she's okay with it. So I'm basically saying goodbye. And Akiko listened and smiled and, you know, completely silent and just listened and smiled and, and heard, heard me out. And then at the end of the, at the end of that, she says, yes, yes. Mm. And she's looked at me and she said, uh, no. No, here's what's going to happen. You're going to go back to Canada for your brother's wedding because that's what that's what's right and appropriate. But then you're going to get back on a plane and you're going to come back to Japan. And then you're not going to go to work for head office in Kyoto. You are going to break your contract with the company. And instead, you're going to come work for me in my private school because I've already talked to all of your students. And the vast majority of your students have said that they will, they will quit uh, the company and come to my private school to keep you as their sensei. So you're going to come, you're going to work for me in my private school, you're going to learn fluent Japanese, you're going to marry my daughter, I'm going to teach you the business, you're going to have some kids, and then in about, in about 10 years' time, 15 years' time, I'm going to go into retirement and you're going to inherit the school because I'm going to teach you the business and you're, and you're going to own the school and you're going to run the school. And that's what's going to happen. And when she finished laying out for us on a silver platter, our entire life in the country that we loved, um, you know, with, with a woman we loved, with a mother-in-law who was absolutely in love with us, <laughs> with a business, an income, and a future all laid out on a silver platter for us. It was in that moment, clear as day, Benjamin, that Bible verse, that story from the Bible of Jesus in the wilderness was clear in our mind, we say, I, there's the rub. 
Here it is. Here it is. Here's the banana peel that causes us to fall from the path right here in this moment. And that conversation followed. The rest of the conversation was me basically trying to explain to this, this woman how, uh, how grateful I was, how humbled, how, uh, how uh, you know, because after all, this is Japan, how honored that she would think of me this way, that she would entrust me, not, not just with her daughter's hand in marriage, but also her, her business, the future of her business, the family, et cetera, et cetera. I had to like, you know, really, really lay it on thick. But in the end, I told her, but I'm not, you know, I'm, this is not what's meant for me. I'm, this is not my purpose. This is not why I came here. I had to come to Japan, but now what I needed to come to Japan for, I've received. I had the experience. I, I, I learned the, the, the knowledge. I was given the insights and the memories were returned to me of why I need to come to Japan. Now I have to move on. And she looked at me and she said, but you talk as though you're here to do some great noble work. She goes, but teaching is a great noble work. And I said to her, I said, Akiko, indeed, teaching is a great noble work. It's a great noble profession. But I'm not here to teach English to Japanese people for the rest of my life. And um, we had to part ways, uh, part company in, uh, in such a way that she took it personally, of course. And she was... Um, she was offended, um, as Japanese, uh, it's part of their culture in a way that when, when they're, when they feel that they've been dishonored, if you will, her, her efforts on my behalf were not reciprocated. And so I had dishonored her. So, so here again, attachment and identification. I mean, I was an English teacher. I was a very good English teacher. I received a promotion to head office. Um, I loved the work. I loved my students. I loved my coworkers. I loved the little town that I lived in in Uji, south southwest of Kyoto, and I loved the country. I absolutely loved the culture, the country. I spent all of my weekends and free time traveling to Buddhist shrines and temples all over the country, and meditating in the gardens and walking through the gates, and and it's just. It was an absolute joy and a privilege the entire year that I was there. It was a completely magical experience. But I had to leave it all behind. I had to let go of my attachment to that. And as Benjamin points out, in the face of that temptation, I had to see it for what it was, a temptation. And But how did I know that it was a temptation? How did I know that? Because it was given unto me to know. The still soft voice spoke to me and perhaps for the first time in my life in a very real and meaningful way at a turning point at a crossroads, although that's not entirely, that's if, I'm, if we're fair to ourselves, that's not entirely true, but certainly this was one of the few times that we began speaking with the voice of our innermost. We allowed 
our innermost to speak for us and certainly decide for us, choose for us our path at that crossroads, at that junction. Because it was a major crossroads, it was a major decision that would have had uh, major ramifications for our future, for the rest of our life. And uh, so absolutely, temptations, tests, trials, they can be traps if we fail them, if we fail. Um, the difference is that in those cases, we are never given a temptation or a trial or a test that we, that we lack the capacity to, to overcome. So our tests and our trials and our ordeals are, are, are stacked with us normally at our, at our level. And even though, you know, Benjamin points out, like, it seems like a perfect deal that, uh, that I was being offered. Like, it just, you know, it, it, this wasn't some sort of calamity. This wasn't a catastrophe. This wasn't, you know, this wasn't any kind of, uh, like, really, what kind of a test or a trial or an ordeal was it? But you may find in your own life that the greatest tests that you face are not physical tests, they're metaphysical. They're, they're tests of your, your, your loyalty and your, your integrity to your true self, your calling, who you really are, and whether or not you are willing to stand and stand up for, for what's right and for what you know to be right for you. But for what you know to be right for you, not what you think, not what you want, not what you, because we, I, I had no outlook for what I was going to do when I came back to Canada. I had no job. I had no prospects. I had nothing. Everything that I had, all of my prospects and everything that I had was in Japan. And I was cutting ties with it all. And I was walking away from all of it because I was putting my faith and trust in my innermost as I always do, as should we all, because that's the, that is the mystical experience that we all seek, truly. Because going off into the astral plane and having whiz-bang experiences and traveling to other planets and doing Superman around the globe and all of this wonderful stuff, it's all wonderful. Does it really impact our life? Does it really, does it, have you flown around the planet in the astral plane like Superman? Yes? Great. But do you know, right now, here and now, can you speak the words of your innermost being? Do you know the name of your innermost being? The first thing anyone should do when they awaken in the astral plane is to ask to see their Divine Mother and kneel down before her in, in humble gratitude and pour love out of yourself, whatever you can, and gratitude to her. Express however you can and, and open yourself to her in that meeting 
and allow her to reveal herself to you in whatever form she knows you need to see because our divine mother can take any form when she appears to us and all you have to do when you when you um when you're in the astral plane is just intend it just you can think it you can say it just intend it ask just ask to see your divine mother the second thing you should do in the astral plane is ask to see yourself as you truly are ask to see your innermost being ask to see your higher self face to face be careful i warn you you may not like what you see you may not like what you see be prepared not to like what you see but these are the two most fundamental experiences we should be having when we awaken in the astral plane not flying off you know around the planets you know supermaning or spying on our on our spouse or our on, on, on our on our girlfriend or boyfriend or you know like or, or any of the any of the uh, the other things that uh, people talk about and in the astral plane doing this doing that having these whiz bang experiences that feed desire you want to feed your knowledge you want to you want to have your an experience that creates self-evident experiential knowledge that which you seek and that illuminates you in the sense of aha now i understand my place when you've met your divine mother when you know the name of your innermost being when you've met him face to face when you converse with him and you ask him and you receive teachings from him directly then you 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 wake up and you 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 know you wake up in your bed and you you you're changed you're you're you that image of your true self will be burned in your consciousness that image of your divine mother although don't get attached to it because she can appear to you at any time in any form that she chooses so don't get attached to the don't don't fall into idolatry don't get attached to the image because that's another trap but when you once you've met your true self you 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 it's very 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 hard at that point to to stay uh attached and identified with this false self with this 3d spacesuit and say that oh i'm going to do this i'm going to do that i have these powers i have the you know it's it's no you've met your divine mother you've met your innermost being so temptation of course is another trap that we can fall into and temptation uh, uh temptation often is related to tests and trials and ordeals and if you see a kind of vocational test being put in front of you where you have a mission you have a purpose on the one hand and then somebody hands you on a silver platter again a temptation uh, uh an easier path or a shortcut most of these temptations of using psychedelics and ongoing psychedelic use and these gurus and guides that you know they charge money to allegedly awaken your kundalini for you etc cetera, etc cetera. 
These people are all selling magic, magic beans and silver bullets. And this comes back to that ego that we were talking about, about laziness, right? Laziness. And I don't want to do the work. I just want the, I want the, the shortcut. I want the quick, I want the express lane. Give me the express lane to the divine. So many people, that's what they think psychedelics are. And they say, well, it's, you know, psychedelics are natural. Like God created them. Their mother nature created them and they were created. So, so we can, so we can know our divine selves and know our divine nature and, they were created to be this 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 shortcut right but but there are no shortcuts there are no shortcuts right there's you've 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 got to do the work so um let's turn our focus now to a different category of uh, danger, a different category of uh, treachery. And um, this category relates to uh, negative entities and black magicians and attacks that we can experience. Um, we can some a lot of people experience uh, something called sleep paralysis. Um, many Gnostics who practice uh, preservation of the sexual force, the withholding of the seed, withhold uh, so they 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 refrain from orgasm. Uh, many Gnostics uh, suffer from nocturnal pollutions, right? Uh, the the um, common vernacular for this is wet dreams. We have wet dreams. And that's because we have all of this energy that we're not wasting. We're preserving it. We're trying to transmute it. We're working with it. But then uh, incubi and succubi come in the night and they essentially fornicate with us while we sleep. And, and they, they want our energy. They want to feed on our energy. That's another example. But it's also very common for black magicians to approach. In our experience, black magicians tend to well maybe it's because we don't we can't say this with any certainty that that black magicians prefer to target women it's just that in our experience all of the individuals that we've counseled with regards to their uh suffering at the hands of black magicians they've been, they've all been women so um that's something that women really need to be aware of. Um, but we're certain that men can also be targeted. It's just that in our experience, we've never met or spoke with a man who could say outright, oh, well, you know, she was a, she was a, a, a black magician or she was a witch or she was a demoness. The only person we know who has had such experiences uh, is ourself and our own experiences dealing with women who we attracted into our life because as we've said in other live streams and as we've made clear uh in some of our writings uh because of the uh the entity that we live with the demon of fear that 
is responsible for our epileptic seizures and is responsible for our depression and is responsible for a great many of the suffering that we experience in our life, uh, we attract what we are. And many of the women that we have attracted into our life have likewise been saddled with a very powerful entity. Um, usually they're not aware of it. Usually they're not aware of it. And the reason why they came into our life or we came into each, into each other's life is so that they could potentially be made aware of it. And together we could consciously work on helping one another exorcise the demons that we shared. And they were very, and we were triggering each other constantly. The demons were anyway, because if you've read our article on the, the, the truth about sex and relationships, um, lovers and cheat eaters, it's all laid out in that article, how dynamically and energetically a couple uh, will attract one another, not just on the base of the raw sexual attraction or, or uh, mental attraction or emotional attraction, but also on the basis of the subconscious attraction, the, the similarities of the demons, or at least the reciprocity between the demons so that they, they, they complement one another or they, or they, they uh, contrast one another or they trigger one another in such a way that they they bring them to the surface. This is why we have that expression. It's either sparks in the bedroom or it's sparks in the kitchen. But if there's sexual chemistry between a couple, the sexual energy will flow, will want to flow. And if it's going to flow and the egos are going to be damn sure that it flows because energy that flows is energy that can be stolen. And if it's not flowing positively, right, up, uh, up and in, then it's flowing negatively and it's flowing down and out. And that's why when you talk, when you think about homeless people and people on skid row and people who have hit rock bottom, that's why the English expression is to be down and out, to be down on your luck, to be down and out is to be completely overtaken by the egos who are feeding on your energy. So, um, but this can happen from afar through some kind of a relationship with a, an individual or an entity that knows the dark arts and the black magic. They can feed on you from afar. They can feed on you in the astral plane while you sleep. They can feed on you in person. Um, and you might not, you might not even be aware of what's happening. You just, you can be aware that you don't feel well, you feel off, you feel drained. Um, but at that time you, you say, well, well, what, am, what are you supposed to do? Well, there are a number of things that you can do and, um, we are only going to share with you, um, a few of them. The first one is, and these are videos, like I said, we've, we created this playlist. Um, it's on our, uh, Atlas information youtube channel um but they're glorian uh videos glorian.org um we're going to use the visualizations and we're going to embellish a little bit upon them explain a little bit more on how to use them but we will also give you the link to the um the website uh, defense for spiritual warfare which goes into all of this with great depth and you can read at your leisure much more detail about what we're about to show you. So 
Um, we believe if we play this, the sound should work. We'll uh, let's if if it doesn't, somebody's yell in the chat if it doesn't work. But anyway, so this is the microcosmic star. Can you guys hear the music? I'm going to make this full screen for you guys. Okay. Thanks, Benjamin. Okay, so we are going to embellish this with the mantras that go along with the microcosmic star. There's more to this than just doing the movement. Um, we were going to try to do this for you on camera, but unfortunately, um, our setup, um, our setup here in the home studio, if that's the right expression, is uh doesn't doesn't give us we don't have the capacity to 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 do it with our ca current camera setup we'll, we might try to do something in the future but so here we will try to orchestrate uh our montralization using the video that's on screen and then we'll try to sync the two of them up so here's what you would do the mantra is and we'll write this um Govindaya um okay this is the um mantra klim krishnaya govindaya gopi janavaya vaya swaha now that might sound like a mouthful and trust us that is the uh, phonetic spelling that's not the official spelling when you see it on uh, glorian.org spelled correctly, you will probably notice that we, we uh, misspelled it. But what's important right now is the pronunciation. So here's how we incorporate the mantra into the macrocosmic star. So, so hopefully, can you, if you, um, hopefully you'll hear my voice and watch the video and then the two things will sync together and, um, um, Let's see, I'm gonna maximize it. Okay, so here we go. So this is this is how we would do it. Yeah, so heels together, right arm over left, pray to your innermost. Clean. Krishnaya. Govindaya, Gopijana, Vaya Vaya, Swaha. So, um, 
we didn't uh, we didn't plan on the uh, the pauses in between there. <laughs> so uh, let's let's uh, continue with this. Let's hopefully they'll repeat it. Um, throughout visualizing forming the cosmic star, yes. So here we're going to do it again. Klim, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabaya, Swaha. Now he did that a little bit too fast. So um, we're going to do this. We're going to slow this down to half speed. And we're just going to rewind it just a bit. Because this is a very important practice to get right. So uh, remember, when you cross your hands over your heart, it's always right over left, always right over left. Once again, so we, we expand out, we go Klim, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabaya, Swaha. Now, that's the microcosmic star. Um, but that's not the complete, that's, that's the beginning, if you will. Um, but we can continue after we finished our clean Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabaya, Swaha. We can follow up by putting our left hand on our solar plexus. And then with our three fingers on high, we do the sign of the cross in the name of the father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and by the Most Holy Tetragrammaton, which is, the, which is the rune Sig. And we will type this into the chat. So we say, so we do the sign of the cross. Sign of the cross in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and by the Holy Tetragrammaton, uh, counterclockwise uh, circle. Okay, and then uh, Sigrun, which is it's like lightning bolts. And the, uh, the sound is like lightning or like a hissing sound. So that is how you follow up and complete the macrocosmic star. So you go, Klim, Krishnaya, Govindaya, Gopijana, Vayabaya, Swaha, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and by the most holy Tetragrammaton. And the Sigrun, and with that you seal your space. Now, the, um, the pentagram, the upright pentagram, of course, is um, <clears throat> fundamental to these teachings and to these practices. Um, so to be able to perform the microcosmic star um, with our bodies um, is a way of embodying the power that's uh, symbolized 
in the uh, in the pentagram. Now it's of course an upright pentagram, but I'll uh, you can see the link for this. This page is on the uh, the pentagram, and we can whoops do that. Just uh, put this right here in the chat. Um, you can read this and study this at your own leisure. The pentagram is also called the tetra tetragrammaton, and you can see that in this visualization, tetragrammaton. And so the two things are intimately uh, connected, the the pentagram and the tetragrammaton. And this symbol upright represents the uh, Vesuvian man. That's um, Leonardo da Vinci's upright human being. And uh, this again, this site will walk you through the, uh, the microcosmic star. And uh, well, and there's a whole, and then here's the Sig rune explained. Um, but this symbol can be used, obviously, as a as a powerful talisman, as a powerful uh, symbol for of protection. So how would you do that? One way is to take this symbol and put it on your bedroom door, facing outward. Close your door, and you hang this symbol on it, and put this symbol on all of your windows. This will help protect. This will help uh, protect your space against negative entities. Negative entities are repelled by this symbol. This is like mosquito repellent for negative entities. Um, if you don't want to have an upright pentagram on your door of your apartment, let's say, or, or you don't want to freak out your, your friends or neighbors or family or whatever, what you can also do is draw a pentagram on the floor on the inside of your door with the bottom two points in each corner of the doorway. And then you can draw that on the floor and then put like a welcome mat over top of it. So nobody, nobody sees it there. But believe me, if a, if a negative entity is trying to enter your abode, is trying to get in through the, through the door, they will see it and they will not be able to cross it. If the two bottom, the the two bottom points of the star have to be in the uh, uh, touching the bottom corners of the doorway. So we're talking about a large pentagram here drawn on the floor. You can you can draw it in chalk. You can draw it in pencil. Uh, it's not important what you draw it with. Uh, what's important is that it be large enough to cover the entire width of the door because more powerful entities if you just do a small one uh more powerful entities can can slip by either side it's um um oh uh someone asked what is the translation of clean krishnaya govindaya gopijana vayabhaya swaha uh we don't have that translation for you we don't know i can't tell you off the top of our head um um it's the mantra of mind protection. That's what that mantra is. Um, but 
if we use our handy dandy uh, search here, this website will give you the meaning and the purpose of, uh, of this mantra. So hopefully that helps. And now, whoops. Hmm. Um, Nate, what is that uh, last part of your question? You're going to have to explain that to us. What do you mean by LBRP? Anyway, when you get a chance, put that in the chat and let us know what you mean by uh, L LBRP. Let's move on to the next thing we wanted to show you, which again is another um, um, a video. This time, we're moving to the, the uh, discussion of prayer. This is the conjuration of the four. Now, the conjuration of the four, these are the four primary demons, and how to conjure them, meaning how to defeat them or to cast them away. Um, this is, uh, let's put this to normal. To reject negative forces, such as the for any spiritual practice, or for healing, exorcism, or other works of the priesthood. Apud mortum, impet ibi dominus, per vivum, et devotum serpentem. Keruv, impet ibi dominus, per ram yodhava. Aquila errans, imperativi dominus per astauri. Serpens, imperativi dominus, tetragrammaton per angelum et leonem. Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, Anael, fluatudor per spiritum Elohim. Manet in terra per dam yodhava. Fiat firmamentum per Yodhava Sabaoth, Fiat judicium pericnim in virtute Michael. Angel of the blind eyes, obey or pass away with this holy water. Work winged bull, or revert to the earth, unless thou wilt that I should pierce thee with this sword. Chain the eagle, obey my sign, or fly before this breath. Riding serpent, crawl at my feet, or be tortured by the sacred fire, and give way before the perfumes that I burn in it. Water return to water, fire burn, 
Air circulate. Earth. Revert to Earth. By virtue of the pentagram, which is the morning star, and by the name of the tetragram, which is written in the center of the cross of light. Amen. 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 Okay. So the, if you have seen our posts on the difference between mechanical and divine nature, you will know that mechanical nature is while we are here, it can serve its purpose and can be a valuable tool. But if we remain identified or if we remain trapped within the uh, forces of mechanical nature, we will fail. We will, we will fall into devolution. So the, the conjuration of the four is, not, is, is the conjuration of the four primary elements. Um, so um, the 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 translate the, the, you you do say it in Latin the first part it's Latin and uh, with with some mixed in um, uh, Hebrew but then the when we get to the second part that's in English um, it reads uh, angel of the blind eyes obey or pass away with this holy water so. Um, work-winged bull or revert to the earth unless thou will said i pierce thee with the sword so the the angel with the blind eyes is um uh the mechanical law and then we're 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 cleansing it out with water and then it's winged the work winged bull the bull is the earth the element of earth the next one is air which you say um chained eagle obey my sign or fly before this breath or before this breathing and then writhing serpent crawl at my feet or be tortured by the sacred fire and give way before the perfumes which i burn in it this is this is the serpent of fire and we are basically uh, conjuring the the elements and putting them under our command our control being in command of of our own nature um if you will with this uh with this prayer and the forces of mechanical nature. Now, egos in the Black Lodge, they work for mechanical nature. Okay, someone asked, uh, Nate uh, asked a question, and then both Nate and Ryu uh, responded. So, uh, this, we are not familiar with this term, lesser pentagram banishing ritual. We are not familiar with that term, but the we are conscious and aware of how you can use the pentagram the uh to uh conjure and banish negative entities and protect yourself particularly in the astral plane you can draw a pentagram around you on the ground and you can perform a um a there is a uh, practice where you draw a pentagram using your conscious imagination around your room you draw a burning circle of fire in your imagination around the room again with the bottom two uh, points of the star pointing outward and you would draw this in your imagination using your sword and there's a mantra that goes with it and the mantra is helion melian 
tetragrammaton. And doing so, you can seal your space and you can basically are drawing a circle of protection and uh, you, are, you are sealing your place from any negative entities entering it. However, if you have not cleansed your space first, if you have not used the conjuration of the four and the conjuration of the seven, and you haven't used the, uh, the microcosmic star, or you haven't burned incense or, or smudged your space, there might be a negative entity already in your space. And if you use the, if you draw a pentagram while a negative ent entity is in your space and you seal your space, it's possible to seal a negative entity in your space with you. Now, it'll be like a fly trapped inside the glass. It'll be, tr it'll, it'll be trying to get out, but it, it, might, it won't be able to get out. So um, we're not familiar with this lesser pentagram banishing ritual in, those, in that terminology. Uh, we don't know where you guys heard that or learned that. However, the use of the pentagram is the power, one of the most, if not the most powerful symbol that we have in our arsenal of tools to protect us and defend against negative entities. So you would have to find a, a reference and share it with us, and then we could we could look it over and 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 then we could comment. Um, we could comment more uh, more intelligently about it, but at the moment, um, all we can say is yes, it's it's probably fine. <laughs> We're going to move on here to the second prayer we wanted to share, which is the conjuration of the seven. Let's just uh, rewind it just a little bit. The conjuration of the seven is used any time one needs to defend oneself spiritually to reject negative forces, such as before any spiritual practice, for healing, exorcism, or other works of the priesthood. In the name of Mikhail, may Yehovah command thee and drive thee hands, Halayot. In the name of Gabriel, may Adonai command thee and drive the hands by hell. In the name of Raphael, be gone before Eliel San Gabriel, by Samael Sabaoth, and in the name of Elohim Gibor, get the hands Andra Melek, by Zahariel and Sahiel Melek, be obedient unto Elba San Gabriel, by the divine and human name of El Shaddai, and by the sign of the pentagram that I hold in my right hand, in the name of the angel and El, by the power of Adam and Eve, who are Yodhava, be lead. let us rest in peace, Nahemad, by the holy Elohim, and by the names of the Yinyar, Kasiel, Sehaltiel, Afiel and Sarahiel, at the command of Olifiel, depart from us, Moloch. We deny thee our children to devour. Amen. 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 
Okay, so this is should be pretty straightforward, um, but uh, obviously there's a, we are invoking the names of the archangels here to uh, assist in conjuring these uh, these demons and um, these heads of the Black Lodge. So this is, again, as it was introduced in the video, this is what we do before we do the conjuration of the seven and the conjuration of the four are powerful tools in our toolkit to prepare our space and prepare ourselves for doing work, meditation, um, etc. And, um, and of course, we thought about just reading you the, uh, the, the, the prayers, but, um, um, we felt that because these video resources exist um, and we like the way they were presented, but also because this way, uh, by making a playlist, you guys have access to these uh, whenever you need them, whenever you you would like to study or or practice or, you know, th that way uh, we don't want to just, um, what's the expression, right? We don't want to give you guys a fish on these live streams, right? We want to also teach you how to fish, teach you where to go and how to continue your work and studies on your own. And let these live streams be a, a forum for perhaps setting you on a new uh, and higher trajectory on your path. But there will be, homework is not the right expression, but you know what we're trying to express here is that we don't want you to, to try to come here and be spoon fed everything in a live stream because that's not our that's not our area of expertise. Glorian.org and the instructors at Glorian are much more uh, well versed, and plus the books of Samael and the book books of Gurdjieff and uh, Blavatsky, and there's so many better resources to turn to. But if we can point you in the right direction, some of the keys, some of the keystones, and critical things that you can use and you can make use of in your journey in your practice. Well, then if we can point you in the right direction, then then we are more than happy to do that and more than happy to share with you uh, the appropriate links. So all of these prayers come from, uh, can be found and can be explored in detail in the, in the Defense for Spiritual Warfare course. And here is the link for that. Um, and we encourage you we encourage you to study that free online course. You can listen to it, you can download it and listen to it, or you can read it. It's uh, it's up to you how you wish to interact with it, but it's a excellent, excellent resource. And it covers uh, many of the topics that we've uh, discussed uh, in this live stream, but much more we would say in the areas of um, of negative entities and, and, uh, and how to protect yourself um, on, on that front. But um, Ryu asks a question. We're going to bring it up here because we think it's a good one. What are the... Um, whoops. Here, no, we're going to start with this first. Do you think those banishing rituals and words for exorcism, exorcism work still if you don't live with virtue or truth in your life? Um, no. Ultimately, you, 
you cannot play both sides of the fence as it were you this the prayer prayer is not a mechanical thing if you if you perform the prayers mechanically they will have no power to begin with so if you perform the prayer from a purely intellectual or mechanical way like an egotistical way so like let's face it like most people when they go to church and they do the lord's prayer for example or they they're in church they just rhyme things off automatically prayer has no power that way so likewise any exorcism or anything else if you don't have all of your heart and soul and energy and faith behind it and if you're not trying to live from that place like we were just discussing earlier from the place of your innermost if you're not truly trying to die psychologically um, if you're if you're indulging every ego and indul indulging every demon well you're strengthening them you're giving them your energy and you're feeding them and you're making them more powerful you can't make a demon more powerful with one hand and then exercise it with the other that's a that's 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 not gonna fly what if the demons don't listen to those incantations and you produce no results how do you really carry authority and power you don't carry authority and power you don't. You have no authority and power. You're just a spacesuit. Who has the authority and power? The Logos. These prayers are invoking archangels, are invoking the Logos, are invoking masters and, and, and uh, those with authority and power to help you. So you have to be humble and you have to be grateful and you have to really feel and love and put your your energy and yourself into the prayer it's like that's where the the idea all magic requires a kind of sacrifice it's 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 uh it's what's that uh, there's an expression gigo right garbage in garbage out you get out of prayer you get out of these prayers and you get out of any ritual or any exorcism or anything that you're doing you get out of it what you put into it if you do it in a rote mechanical way guess what you will you will you will not achieve any magic magic is not mechanical it's not a formula it's not a recipe that you can just reproduce it has to be done consciously it has to be done with great intention and with energy and an investment of yourself your higher self your true self invested into it so Ryu says, yes, that's my experience. And I found the only thing to get them away is to not be a vibrational match to them. It's typically not in my sphere as long as I'm walking upright. So obviously to be an upright attitude in a high vibration, to put yourself in a higher vibration, obviously is one way you can also help resist them. But um remember that there are entities that come to drain you and come to siphon your energy and they can uh get around high vibration they search for that like vampires and um, um, um uh, incubi and succubi they seek out purity and innocence so the higher vibration you are the more that you can attract these things so that in and of itself may not always work there are lesser demons and darker forces that are repelled by those higher vibrations without a doubt but we're getting into the nitty-gritty of spiritual warfare here and um and that's why we've shared the link 
And uh, that's why we shared this course, because this is really what this course gets into in greater detail. And this course outlines exactly what you're talking about, is that none of this, none of this stuff is going to work for you if you're not living an upright life. If you're not, you know, you have to be, you have to be living the life of a white magician to do white magic. I mean, that's just, it goes without saying, you can't be living the life of a black magician and do white magic. It's that's, there's a disconnect there and it's not going to work for you. Very quickly, there's one more video that we want to show you guys. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's, there's not really much to say about it. Um, we'll just put it on in the background. I think we'll talk over it. Um, oh, actually, sorry, there's two more videos. There's another mantra. This is, some uh, someone was asking earlier, Benjamin was asking earlier about temptation. This is a mantra to help defend against temptation. Um, it's a powerful mantra. There is a powerful mantra that we can use to defend ourselves from sexual temptations and the attacks of black magic. It is called the mantra belly lean. Belalin, Belalin, and four of salvation. I would like to be close to thee. Materialism has no power over me. Belalin, Belalin, Belalin. This Hebrew word means the abode of the sun. The sun is a universal symbol of the Christic force. Christ is not a person but a profound intelligence, a force known by many names. To be protected at night and during our dreams Sing this mantra before going to sleep. Whenever we use it, it must be sung with all of our heart, with emotion. Here is a very simple way to sing the mantra, Belilin.
So if that's not a, if the, um, can you guys hear? Her? Can I get an indication if uh, the sound is working again? So, um, unfortunately, I have no way of knowing if what you guys are receiving on your end. That's the kind of interesting thing about all of this uh, streaming stuff. But uh, here's a perfect example of how Beethoven is the master of music and how like that the second part of this video explain how the Belleline mantra is actually comes from the this the uh, the seventh symphony and third movement okay thanks Benjamin so the last thing that uh, I want to show in terms of a video just very quickly and I don't think I need to I don't think I need to do the sound here because it's pretty self-explanatory remember we talked about um, um, briefly we talked about nocturnal pollutions what people call wet dreams um, there is a, a formula that you can you can use to help prevent them and it's very simple it's just it's essentially cantaloupe juice melon melon juice and uh, so you can uh, prepare this um, fresh and um, you know drink it before you go to bed if you find yourself suffering from nocturnal pollutions this it's hard to know um, precisely. It's not a mechanical process. And it's most likely the elemental of the melon is uh, repulsive to the um, incubi and succubi who are uh, responsible for nocturnal pollutions. But it also helps to uh, cool the fire. Um, if you suffer from nocturnal pollutions, you may find that um, you suffer more when you eat red meat. And that's because red meat is the fire. The, the, there's, it feeds a sexual fire and, and uh, there's a lot of, uh, we get a lot of energy uh, from eating red meat and the energy will want to flow. So we can become not only a, uh, a, an attractive target, um, but, uh, but also it's, the lust is more likely to flow if we have more energy. So if we have more fire, the the melon juice, the melon drink is like a has, has a cooling effect. So it cools that fire. And if you cool the fire, well, as you know, it's um, lust gets cooled in the process. Um, and it's the same thing for. Um, for example, uh, spicy foods. Spicy foods can also stimulate lust for the same reason, because it's spicy and it's stimulating the heat. Um, so, um, so again, all these four, these five videos are in a uh, playlist on Atlas Information on YouTube, so you can watch them at your leisure. And again, we highly encourage you to uh look into the um this course the defense for spiritual warfare now in addition um just to bring our conversation full circle back to where we were at the beginning there's another uh um site that we recommend uh another page or uh to look into and this is initiation initiation and levels of spiritual development this is, you might consider this to be more of a, um, an introductory type of information, but 
this information um, is is useful from the standpoint of it will address any issues you may any lingering issues you may have regarding this question of initiation and what initiations who who receives initiations and who actually owns levels of spiritual development right it's when we look at spiritual development we're talking about the level of being our innermost has levels of spiritual development we do not this physical body this personality does not receive levels of spiritual development because we are just we're just a vessel a vehicle for the being we're incapable of receiving levels of development in the same way that a race car is incapable of advancing to different leagues of racing it's the race car driver who advances from formula three to formula two to formula one not the car the car is going to be stuck where it's stuck more or less unless of course the car goes with the driver in in some you know some fashion so for example you want to take a different example the uh the foil right for uh, someone who's fencing the the blade the blade goes with these the the fencer and the blade might go with them all the way to the olympics but the blade doesn't win the gold medal it will the blade will never win the gold medal it's the fencer who wins the gold medal it's the fencer who advances and gets different levels not the blade you and i we are just the blade we are just a vesicle a vehicle a tool in the hand of our innermost being so this article will help set the stage for you and for anyone who's uh, beginning serious work into esotericism into mysticism on the path into gnosis into helping them position themselves and know their place um, because as we described at the beginning it's by far one of the biggest traps that we can fall into is falling into the trap that this personality this mortal being this mortal this mortal vessel is somehow special and is somehow capable of spiritual advancement um that is only true for the black magicians and awakened demons because it is possible to awaken negatively and there are countless countless millions of people right now as we speak who are walking down the left-hand path many of which believe that they're walking the white the right-hand path but they're walking the left-hand path they're performing black magic they're performing black tantra they believe themselves to be receiving initiations they believe themselves to be uh, uh awake or ascended masters and they are awakening the, they're awakening their egos they're awakening negatively they're awakening as black magicians and bona fide demons and that's the black lodge's plan that's the black lodge's job is to take people with power and energy and potential and twist and tempt and corrupt them and make them to make them fall the line that separates 
Christ from Antichrist is not some huge gulf. It's a hairline. It's a banana peel on the path. It's one slip up. It's one mistake can change your entire destiny for all time. Every demon was once an angel and every angel was once a demon. Um, it is every uh, work of Shakespeare, of Greek tragedy, of high opera, where great characters, great leaders, great men of worth, of value, due to some tragic flaw, due to some ego, they fall. And the higher they rise, the farther they fall. All we need to do is look at the example of Hitler. Adolf Hitler was a great initiate. He was a great initiate of the White Lodge. He was tempted and he was seduced and he was turned by the Black Lodge to the dark side, to the dark arts. And look, look what an instrument of evil he became. And all of his power and potential as an esotericist, as an occultist, was turned to the dark side. And, you know, we don't know what, uh, frankly, we don't really care what um, the uh, people in the Gnostic community think about our uh, focus on Star Wars and our uh spending so much time and energy unpacking and unveiling the nature of star wars and the true the true teachings and the and the the, the esoteric symbols in the uh the trilogy of trilogies the skywalker saga but the fact of the matter is that the sith and the jedi are very very accurate representations of the white lodge and the black lodge especially in the rise of skywalker which is almost universally despised among Star Wars fans. But in the Rise of Skywalker, at the end, we see this reincarnated, uh, resurrected Palpatine surrounded by a legion of Sith on the planet Exegol. And Palpatine is just the head of this legion of, of, of Sith followers. And, and the story of Star Wars is the story of temptation, the story of turning from the good side to the dark side, falling to the dark side. And they use those, they use those words, they use those terminologies. And then Luke in the cave on Dagobah in Empire Strikes Back, when he has the vision, when he faces Darth Vader, and he cuts off Darth Vader's head, and then the face mask of the, the, of the, the helmet pops off, and it's Luke's face under the mask. These are, these are profound esoteric teachings. These are profound esoteric truths. None of us are immune to the tricks and the traps and the treachery of the of the of the, the, the Black Lodge. And remember that the Black Lodge is not just out there. The Black Lodge is in here, in each and every one of us, without question and without fail. Because none of us are resurrected ascended masters yet. None of us have eliminated all of our ego. And so 
we have to recognize that. We have to be aware of that. We have to be not afraid, not afraid, but aware. Very often people try to rationalize fear to us and say, we need fear. Without fear, we would die. We need fear to tell us to be careful. I said, really? When you get into a car, are you afraid? Are you afraid to drive? You put on your seatbelt, do you not? Why do you put on your seatbelt if you're not afraid? You put on your seatbelt, you wear your seatbelt because you know that in the event of an accident, that seatbelt is, is likely going to save your life. But you don't have to be afraid of getting into an accident to, to put on your seatbelt. In fact, if you get into a car and are afraid and are afraid of getting into, into an accident, it's very likely that you'll manifest an accident because you're, you're, you're driving on edge. You're not relaxed. You're not conscious. You're not aware. You're worried. You're tense. And when you're worried and you're tense and you're wound up, that's when you're likely to make a mistake. That's when you're likely to get into an accident. That's when you're likely to have an outburst of road rage because somebody cut you off or whatever. So to be aware of, conscious of dangers is not the same as being afraid of them. To be, a, to be aware of the spiritual traps, tricks, and treachery that awaits us on the path is not an invitation to give in to fear. When we say that the Black Lodge is not out there, we hope you recognize from what we are about to say that we speak from a place of intimate knowledge, self-evident experiential knowledge. We live with an entity, an entity of fear who seeks to control us, take control of us, to possess us. We can suffer seizures at its hands. This afternoon, leading up to this live stream, knowing what we were going to be discussing, what we were going to be sharing, what this topic was, we were under attack all afternoon. We could feel the demon inside of us doing everything in its power to bring us down and to, to, to get us to not go through with this live stream. The Black Lodge was working through its agent which we live with. It's the burden that we took on. And it was doing everything in its power to try to prevent us from going through with this live stream. And it, because it's a demon of fear, it was trying everything from, from taking control over our physical body to taking control over our emotional body, taking control over our mental body. We were 
it was it was completely sabotaging our attempts at meditation it was completely sabotaging and uh it was it, it's an experience that's very difficult to put into words um what living with a demon is like what demonic possession is like from someone from our from our vantage point where we are aware of it we are conscious of it and we we struggle with it sometimes on a daily basis but when we say the black lodge is within we mean it now you might not have it you might not suffer the same kind of uh, assaults you might not live with the same type of slaver within you like we do but that's because everybody's journey is different and everybody's level of being is different everybody's everybody's uh journey and path and what we are burdened with and our karma is different we took on this burden for the specific purposes of being able to help anyone that we meet because the vast majority of people that we meet will never go through and never suffer the kind of turmoil and kind of internal struggle that that we suffer from but that just means that we can help them all the more because whatever it is that they're going through what's worked for us is going to work for them in one way to one degree or another self-observation self-remembering meditation the alm of life meditating on your egos observing yourself observing how the egos how the black lodge causes your suffering and tries to get you to cause suffering for others and how it traps tricks and and is treacherous to you to your innermost how it tries to pull you from the path and it could be mystic pride it could be fear it could be anger it could be lust it could be gluttony it could be laziness because really we could go through the seven deadly sins and all of them we can find traps tricks and treachery from all of them how about laziness how often do you meditate how often do you practice pranayama and when you when you meditate when you get that kick that kicks you out of meditation it says oh god i've had enough do you give in to that or do you say no nah, that's just my laziness trying to that's that's you know, that's that's had enough it doesn't want to it doesn't doesn't have the patience it's trying to get me it's trying to sabotage me it's trying to kick me out of a meditation usually if you can fight through that that's when your meditation really really goes into deep places if you can overcome that uh that 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 temptation that urge to drop out of meditation because oh god i can't you know you get you get or when you're in meditation do you get fidgety do you get an itch do you get the temptation to scratch that itch these are simple little things and you probably think nothing of it oh it's just an itch i'm going to scratch it no problem how do you know that's not an ego that's distracting you through your physical body 
the next time you're in meditation and you get an itch, don't scratch it. Resist the temptation to scratch it. Instead, dive deeper into the itch. Allow the experience of the itch. Dive deeper into it consciously. See where that takes you. You may be surprised. Laziness, uh, gluttony, greed, envy. Connected to mystic pride. Because remember, egos can tag team with one another. They can work together. So when you hear about, for example, or read about somebody having this experience or that experience, mystical experience, spiritual experience, do you feel that, oh, man, I wish I could have that experience? Or do you feel ashamed? Your mystic pride makes you feel ashamed of yourself. Oh, I must not be special. I must not be getting anywhere. I must not be doing a good job. I don't have those experiences. Shame and self-loathing is just pride. It's two signs, two sides of the same coin. I, 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 I. The same voice, which because this is this is that is the impetus, right? That's the impetus. Someone can make you feel crappy about yourself because you don't have spiritual experiences, then what happens? You go out looking for spiritual experiences. You think that that's what makes somebody spiritual, if they can have spiritual experiences. So you might pay money to a guru or pay money to a course or take some drugs or buy some elaborate uh, fancy schmancy machine that will help you project into the astral plane. Then you'll go into the astral plane and you'll have some experiences. And then what? Then you'll feel special and you'll feel good. And you'll come out of it saying, I've had my experiences now. Now I'm spiritual. Which is what? Which is mystic pride. The shame that you felt because you weren't having experiences was just the dark underbelly of mystic pride setting you up to get you to seek and desire experiences which once you had them, Mystic Pride was right there to interpret them and weave the story around them that said, you see, now you're worthy. Now you're spiritual. You've had spiritual experiences. It's a trick. It's an elaborate, subtle, clever, treacherous, devious, insidious ploy to keep you trapped keep you enslaved even as you are made to believe that you are advancing go and peruse some of those new age threads and new age websites and new age channels go onto youtube and listen to some of these people and what they say and how they talk and it's 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 an exercise it's a complete exercise in narcissism These people really do believe. They they've bought into the, the 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 BS hook, line, and sinker. And their followers, I idolize them because deception has a way of spreading. One who has deceived themselves. And allows that deception to work through them into the world 
ends up deceiving others. The ego spreads like a virus. If there's a virus on this planet, if there's a pandemic on this planet, that's the pandemic. It's the, it's the pandemic of ego. It's not a physical entity we need to be worried about. It's the metaphysical entities enslaving humanity. Because guess what? They're behind this so-called covidiacy. And all the so-called elite who are terrified of us, they're terrified of the Kali Yuga, they're terrified of the end of humanity, they're terrified of overpopulation. They're so attached to their physical reality and all of their things and all of their money and all their power and all their prestige and all their fame and all their fortune. Yes, Roy. The real pandemic is ignorance of oneself, of the self. And that's what that means is practically identification with the ego, identification with the I, attachment to the false self. That's ego. That's the pandemic, right? So you can't have one without the other. You can't have ignorance of self without hypnosis of ego. Without the the because hypnosis and ignorance go together. They're together, hypnosis and ignorance are the antithesis of gnosis. So, um, hopefully, hopefully this has been helpful. And if not directly personally for you, hopefully you will have an opportunity in your travels when you encounter other individuals, be it on Facebook, in person, in groups, and whatever, what have you. Um, that you can help other individuals likewise become more aware of the dangers, the traps, the tricks, the treachery, the insidiousness, and how subtle and how clever the Black Lodge really is. We cannot afford to be naive, and we cannot allow ourselves to fall into the trap that demons are you know, like in the, like in the background, <laughs> uh, ironically, that uh, we have here in the background. Um, this is, this is a, uh, uh, a painting, uh, which is called Ambush. We uh, shared the artist way back at the beginning when we, uh, when we started, there's, uh, there's the artist, uh, Ortsmore on uh, DeviantArt. That's his painting. But we cannot fall into the trap that demons appear to us like this. There's no guarantee demons appear to us like this. In fact, and you know what? It's it's probably good that we we we're we're taking the the uh, we're taking the discourse in this direction because this is another trap that people fall into all the time, all the time. Uh, New Age bookshelves are chock-o-block with books written by people who so-called channeled the, this and the channeled the content of the books. They awakened in the astral plane, or they took some psych psychedelics, or they were in the astral plane, and they were approached by some resplendent being, some master, or some angel, archangel 
introducing itself to them as I am the master so-and-so I am the arch archangel so-and-so and you have been chosen to be my messenger and I have chosen you and you will be my voice and you will be my uh, my messenger and you will you will channel the the teachings that I give you to 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 share and uh, and those individuals are completely overwhelmed are completely taken in by that resplendent being and they are convinced that they have been chosen that they are the chosen one now to send this message and they allow the being to possess them because that's what channeling is spiritism they allow the being to enter into them and then they through a process of automatic typing or automatic voice or whatever the, the the entity types through them or speaks through them and then they they end up writing a book or a number a series of books whatever and publishing them and all you need to do is lift take up any of these books at a new age bookstore that has in the foreword or in the in the introduction or in the back where it says so and so received this is the channeled teachings of Archangel Mikael or Archangel Gabriel or blah 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 just just pick up a book like that that has that kind of a description of it and uh, all you need to do is all you need to do is read it with your heart and uh, read a few pages into it and you will feel the darkness you will feel the black magic you will feel the the evil in the book and even though 90% 90% of what's in that book might be truth, might be real, practical, esoteric teachings. But 10% of it, 10% of it that's missing, or 10% of it that's been altered and twisted in key ways, but critical key ways that infuses it with dark arts and black magic and takes the whole thing and twists it on its head and upside down because the line that separates white magic and black magic is a hairline. The line that separates white lodge and black lodge is a hairline. Christ and antichrist, what separates them is a hairline. It's a slip on a banana peel. It's a temptation. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a seduction. It's, it's just a little treachery. It's a little plot. That we that we fall into and then we fall it's literally and it's it's literally like we when we talk about the path of the razor at razor's edge that's why we call it the razor's edge because we're walking a tightrope just use your conscious imagination and contemplate what it's like to walk on a tightrope between two buildings in the middle of a windstorm and contemplate all the forces and all the different ways that you can fall from that tightrope. It's a lot easier to fall off a tightrope than it is to stay on it. That goes without saying. That's beyond argument. The path is like that. And the Black Lodge is beset upon us. Its divinely ordained purpose is to get us to fall off that wire off the high wire and they're damn good at it 
and they're everywhere. The Iron Age of humanity is their age. They control everything. They run the planet. They work for mechanical nature. The Kali Yuga is, is about destroying humanity. Before you can destroy humanity physically, you have to undermine it metaphysically, and that's the work that the Black Lodge does. It undermines and erodes the metaphysical foundation of a humanity, which is the Logos, which is our true self, which is the divine inspiration and the divine intelligentsia and the religion and all of that goodness and, and sacrifice that, that allowed us to, to, uh, to achieve great things while the Black Lodge is, is undermining all of that as we speak. And we have to be cognizant of the fact that it is constantly undermining that within ourselves and within our lives and that is the nature of the three mountains that we have to uh that we have to climb that we have to overcome the three mountains the mountain of initiation the mountain of resurrection and the mountain of ascension um those mountains are are the black lodge inside of us our defects our vices our karma that we have to learn our lessons from and again when you use your imagination and you contemplate maybe you have maybe you've climbed mountains maybe you've you've uh, maybe you have climbed mountains and maybe you don't have to use your imagination. Maybe you just use your recollection. But if you've climbed mountains, you know, you know that it's easier to fall down than it is to go up, than it is to climb. We're just, um, we're just shy of three hours. So um, if anyone has any questions, uh, now may be a good time to ask. Um, if not, then I think we'll wrap it up. Um, Thank you for joining us again. Um, we will we will play it by ear as we did this week. We will allow the topics to come to us, um, so we won't announce what will be on the docket next time. We may do a stream Monday night. We may go to three streams a week. Um, we may we may do that Monday, Wednesday, Fridays if this works for people. Um, we're not we're not certain yet. Well, it'll it'll depend on on um, other circumstances. But we'll we will allow the topic like today to come to us. Um, hopefully, the sound and everything has, was working. 
most of the time. <laughs> Hopefully the videos uh, were working most of the time and the links that we shared. I, we noticed that a couple times uh, Facebook rejected a couple links that we tried to share, but Facebook is funny that way. They don't like external links. Okay, so uh, let's look at this. Uh, CCAT says, I believe I can quit smoking. I have been pretty successful today. I'm hoping to climb that mountain completely. Thank you for this. Um, remember that addictions are especially ones that are self-destructive, are uh, self-loathing. Now, self-loathing is like shame. Self-loathing is the flip side of too much self-love. Too much self-love is narcissism, is pride. Self-loathing is just pride. But it's the flip side, it's shame. Because pride doesn't care if you love yourself too much or you hate yourself. Very often you see narcissistic people engaging in self-destructive behaviors. Because a lot of narcissistic people really hate themselves deep down. Just as they love themselves, but they, they, the aspects of themselves they hate, right? Lots of narcissistic people are what? Constantly doing like plastic surgery and constantly trying to improve themselves obsessive compulsively, dieting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why? They're narcissistic. They love themselves, right? They love themselves too much. But loving yourself too much goes hand in hand with hating yourself because pride just focuses on the I, 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 me, 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 me. So it doesn't care if it focuses on you. Look how great I am. Look how great I am. Look how great I am. Or, oh, God, I'm such a loser. I'm such a loser. I'm such a loser. I'm so fat. I'm so fat. I'm so fat. I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb. I'm so dumb. I'm so lazy. I'm so lazy. I'm so lazy. doesn't matter. I'm the greatest. I'm the worst. It doesn't matter. As long as we keep focused on this false self, that's what pride is all about. So... What's, if, if you can shift out of the mentality of loving yourself too much or hating yourself, it's all a question of worth. Where is your value? Where is your worth? And how do you gain that value and worth? And if you can shift that inside and make a shift to your innermost, your higher self, and you can make that leap of faith, because it is a leap of faith. you can find a whole new sense of worth, a sense of integrity. Because to be integral, to be integrated, to bind together with your innermost being, to be a loyal servant. This, this quote, Lumiere, from Beauty and the Beast. Beauty and the Beast is, of course, a very esoteric 
fairy tale, the beast, the animal self, the beauty, the 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 psyche, the love, the divine mother, but the all the, the divine masculine, divine feminine. He has to make her love her. All the aspects of the kingdom are all mechanical. They've all been transformed into mechanical objects, right? In order for them to be transformed into true human beings again, the beast must learn to love and in, and in turn be loved in return. So this line from Beauty and the Beast, when Lumiere, the three, three flames, right? The Trinity. And he says, life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. He's not whole without a soul to wait upon. Well, who is the soul that he should be waiting upon? It's our own soul. It's our human soul, which is, an, it's, which is a part of our monad, which is the inner trinity of our innermost being, our consciousness, which is a divine soul, and our human soul, which is the causal body, the solar causal body. That forms the trinity of the monad. That's our divine vessel. If we shift from saying life is all about me, 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 and I'm so great, and I'm so great, and I'm so great, or I'm, I hate myself, because there's no value, there's no worth in that. There's no value, there's no worth in this false self. There isn't any. Our value, our worth comes from our soul, comes from our innermost being, our true self. So in the absence of that, in the absence of that, life becomes unnerving because we're not serving our Lord. Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. He's not whole without a soul to wait upon. And because you're not whole, there's something empty, there's something missing. And of course, pride comes along and says, oh, there's something empty, there's something missing, there's something, your life is worthless, your life is meaningless. Quick, pick up another cigarette. Because what is that cigarette if not just a bomb, just a drug, just a coping mechanism for the emptiness inside? And the emptiness that your egos of pride is using against you as a weapon. And for some people, it's alcohol. And for some people, it's food. And for some people, it's sex. And for some people, it's drugs. And for some people, it's gambling. It doesn't matter. It's a bomb. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a drug. It's just, it's just, it makes you numb to the pain, which that shame, that pride is, is twisting in your side like a knife. But what are they doing? They're taking that, the fact that you don't have that strong connection to your innermost being, your, your, your divine mother, your innermost father, your, your inner God. This is why the 12-step program, if you know any alcoholics who have gone through it, they will tell you, if they're honest, the 12-step program is a Christian-based program. It is a faith-based program. 12 steps don't work in a secular way with atheism because the 12 steps only work if people can find that higher meaning, that higher purpose, that higher value that they can connect with, that gives them a real sense of worth where now they don't feel worthless anymore. And what's more, 
with that higher purpose, with that real sense of worth, with that integrity, you now look upon yourself and say, I, I don't belong to me. I belong to God. I belong to my higher self, who is an essence of the Logos. And me destroying myself, the self-destructive behavior, I'm not just hurting me. I might be hurting who knows how many people. We actually, a very close friend of ours um, is an alcoholic. And uh, we helped him. We helped him not least because we didn't take him through a 12-step program or anything like this. He was going through, he, was, he had his programs, he was going through his programs, but it wasn't until he could sit with us and share with us and we could share with him our experience living with a demon and sharing that experience with him and he was like man that's exactly what my alcoholism is that's a it's it's a demon it's a demon it's constantly trying to get gain control of me it's trying to get you know it's a very powerful these are very powerful entities that 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 cause us a great deal of suffering and cause us to behave in very self-destructive ways. And in the case of alcoholism, especially, that destruction very easily spreads to other people. Very quickly and very easily spreads to spouses and children. And and it was, frankly, um, this individual, with our help. And our friendship and his own determination and his own integrity his own commitment his own um, promise to his higher self that he was he's not going to be a deadbeat dad and he's not going to be an alcoholic father it was when his uh, his wife became pregnant that he he finally made that commitment that with the strength that conviction the um, the confidence of his conviction and that integrity to uh, to once and for all uh, become dry and give up the alcohol and and has he slain the demon uh, no no but does he have it under control he has it under control he's no longer controlled by it he now has two daughters and his second daughter is He's just recently turned one year old. So he has a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And he is a tremendously proud and he has a beautiful family and, and, and much happier. And his business is doing well. His marriage is doing well. Alcohol has not destroyed his life. On the contrary, his the process that he did overcoming um, that particular struggle um, has revealed to him uh, a great many things about himself and about the man that he can be 
and perhaps the man that he was born to be. And now he can see, he sees himself um, closer to realizing that. He sees he sees himself that the potential of him fulfilling his his purpose in life. Now that he's gotten over that tremendous hurdle, it's not that his work is done. He still has many more things. But of course, we we take things step by step. Rome wasn't built in a day. And sometimes, uh, you know, before we can start making progress upwards and onwards, some of us have tremendous burdens and shackles that are holding us down and holding us back. And, uh, and it, it may be a burden that we have to carry, but there is more than one way to carry a burden. There's a way that's crushing, that we can't carry it, and there's a way that's empowering, and there's a way that, that's liberating, the way that what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. And it's our own relationship to that. But that knowledge and the capacity to carry that burden comes from our innermost being and our Divine Mother, our true source of strength. We are not qualified to carry that burden. So hand that burden off to he who is qualified to carry it, which is our true self. And when we do that, it's incredible. The uh, We can feel ourselves being liberated from that burden, if you will. This is a very subtle thing. It's, it's very difficult to put into words and it's very subtle to articulate in a way unless you've gone through something like this and experienced it for yourself. Um, but this is very much our experience, for example, with epilepsy and living with the demon that, that causes seizures and causes our depression and everything else that, that, that we, we, we suffer from when it, when it starts acting up. Um, we handed it off and we, we just observe it and we say, look, this is, this is the way it is. This is the burden that we took on. This, it's because we live with this that we can speak this way. It's because we live with this that we can help people who are alcoholics and suffering from all manner of uh, egos and suffering from all manner of traumas and suffering from all manner of, of physical burdens and, and illnesses because we have the direct personal experience of how to be able to live with something like this. And taking the good with the bad. You know, we're well over three hours now. We should probably wrap it up. But this is one last thing. One last thing. Uh, Steve Jobs used to say one last thing. First of all, Seacat says, Our children can give us strength. Nothing else in the world can. Our children are the reason behind the drinking stopping and faith of course this is a good this is a uh, a good example of of 
finding a higher purpose and a, a, be, a being of service. Our children can give us strength like nothing else in the world can because our children need us. And when we commit ourselves to our children and their well-being and raising them right and giving them a good foundation and giving them a good start and giving them everything that they need in order so that they can find peace, happiness, joy, and self-realization, self-actualization in this world, if we make the, that our mission, our purpose, that purpose is greater than any sort of desires that we might have, any fleeting cravings and aversions. All of a sudden, it's not about us anymore, is it? It's about them. It's about suffering and sacrifice for others. We could speak for another three hours about our biological parents. My father, my, my mother, who passed away a few years ago, those of you who have read our article, O Divine Mother, Here Art Thou, you know that it's in part, it's a tribute to our Divine Mother, of course, but it's also a tribute to our biological mother and how our biological mother taught us the essence of maternal love and and why it was that it fell upon our shoulders to take care of her in the final two months of her life battling cancer and 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 the experiences um, that we went through that process and most importantly it fell upon us to help her conquer her fear of death on her deathbed and we tell that story in that article um, and it's the least that we could do for our mother who, who as Hungarian immigrants uh, to, to Canada, her and my dad, what they put themselves through. And I mean, it was ugh, what they sacrificed and what they suffered for our sake. Um, We don't have any children. We're not even married. We don't have a spouse. We don't, we're not married. We don't have children. You are our children. This planet, the suffering humanity is our children. We've always felt this way. And you give us meaning and purpose in our life. This live stream this work we do, these articles we write, we don't write them for our benefit. We don't write them for our health. And this burden we carry, it's, we don't carry this burden for our sake. No bodhisattva lives for themselves. All bodhisattva come here to live a lifetime of suffering and sacrifice for others. You are our children, the children of Alux, the children of the Logos, the children of the fire of the fire and the light of lights. 
for whom we are just a humble messenger and a servant. And we do our best. Um, and we're, we're not perfect and we're flawed and we carry a heavy burden so that we don't walk on water. We can look you all straight in the eye and say, we're just like you. What you go through, we go through it too. And that's why this channel is called Atlas Information, because it's a way for us to go through it together. We're not above anybody. We're not better than anybody. We're not ad more advanced than anyone. No, no, no. We're walking the same path that you are. And all the traps and tricks and treachery that we share here tonight, we know them firsthand. And we can confess to you, we've fallen into a few along the way. That's why we know what we're talking about. And no one's immune. And no one, no one should be naive and no one should think that, that, um, that it can't happen to them. But because we're here together, no one's alone. We all have our innermost and our divine mother, yes, but because we're all here together, even on this live stream, none of us have to be alone. None of us have to go on this path. It's a lonely path, but we don't have to go through it entirely alone. We can always turn to each other, and there is something to be said for that. There's nothing, there's no rule that says we can't turn to each other for help, for guidance, but also to give to lend a helping hand where we can. And that's where we gain our strength. That's where we gain our power. Our power comes through us. It's not our power. We're just a conduit, and it flows through us. But every good thing we've ever done, every noble thing, any wor every worthy thing, has come from the light. The fire, the fire, and the light of lights comes from Alux. It comes from Alux. Savannah, the Logos, the Cosmic Christ. We don't, we can't take credit for anything that we do that's good. The only thing that we can take credit for is the things that we do that are bad, that are our mistakes, our defects and vices. Those are ours. That's our karma and the manifestations of our karma. But every good thing that comes through us, comes through us. Because we know our place. And that's our place. And um, listen, thank you all for joining us. And uh, we're going to let you all go and get some much needed sleep. And um, hopefully, you know, some contemplation and meditation on what we discussed. And we'll see you again next time, we hope. And um, if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to like and subscribe, and uh, you'll get notifications when we're... Uh... <laughs> Have fun, y'all, in hell. Yes. Yes, indeed. That's, well, that was today for us, Savannah. It was, it, it was, uh, it wasn't easy. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of it. That's part of it for us anyway, for our, our journey. It's, it's every bodhisattva will at some point have to descend into hell and teach and talk like this to the souls there and help free souls in hell. That's every bodhisattva has to do that. 
uh, eventually at some point on their path. So is it fun? Uh, I don't know about fun, but is it worthwhile? Is it fulfilling? Is it fulfilling? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Savannah says, you never said nothing about Jesus, Holy Spirit, and the power that you can give people to get them to conquer these and make them more what they need to be. We talked extensively about the Logos, about the cosmic Christ. Christ is not a man. Christ is not Jesus. Jesus was just the vessel. And the Holy Spirit is, of course, um, the Holy Spirit is very much our Divine Mother and the Divine Masculine. But it's uh, the Holy Spirit is a Divine Mother. So um, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is Father, Mother, Christ. And th that's the upper trinity of the Tree of Life. And um, you access that. In the Bible, you need to go through Jesus to get to God, but Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is not a man. Jesus is the Christ, the Logos. You have to go through the Son to get to the Father because of the, of the upper trinity of the tree of life is Keter Hokma Binah, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But how do you get to the Christ? you got to go through the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? It's the masculine and feminine, the Holy Spirit and the Divine Mother. But the Divine Mother is in the ninth sphere of the tree of life, in the Muladhara Chakra. So we must raise the Kundalini, Divine Mother Kundalini, so that the Divine Feminine can unite with, with her husband, the Holy Spirit, in holy matrimony and immaculate conception. So the fires of Divine Mother, Devi Kundalini Shakti, unite with the fire of the Holy Spirit in the crown chakra. This is what Pentecost is, when the apostles have the tongues of flame above their heads. When the fire of Kundalini rises to the crown chakra and joins the fire of the Holy Spirit, descending from the crown chakra, then the fire of the whole of the divine feminine joins the divine the fire of the divine masculine and gives rise to the fire of the fire and the light of lights of the cosmic Christ who is the divine androgen it's metaphysical science my dear So, um, yeah, Savannah, uh, we are not going to get into this um, uh, conversation, uh, this this argument at this point, because um, it's it's late, and we would encourage you. Um, to, we can give you some resources if you're interested um, to research for yourself. But uh, Christianity is 100% Gnostic in its pure mystical form. And when you say that we don't know, 
She says, I would love that to see on a new age section of Barnes and Noble. Um, we are not a fan of the new age. Anybody who knows us will tell you that. And when you say that we do not know what we are talking about, um, we've experienced the Christ firsthand. And um, the Christ, the living, breathing word of God is not bound within any book. It's not bound within any tra tradition or religion. It's all around us and it's within us. If we have but the eyes to hear and the, the, the eyes to see and the ears to hear it. And we are, we are by far one of the most critical of commentators about the new age. In fact, we wrote an entire article here explaining how the new age um, is just another degenerated religion. It's just an, it's a creation of the Black Lodge. So It's all right. Um, it's all right, Savannah. You can believe whatever you want to believe. It's 11.30. We've been speaking now for three and a half hours. We're going to leave you to it. And uh, we've given you a bunch of resources and a bunch of information. You do with it what you will. It's your choice. It's your choice. Uh, thank you, everyone, for uh, being here tonight. And uh, as I said, keep you know, keep a, an eye on our YouTube channel or keep an eye on our Facebook page and you will know when we will be going live next and what the topic will be. Thank you all. Inverential peace. God bless you. And uh, we'll see you again soon.